Well, hello. This is JD. Out on a very foggy Sunday morning to start off a little bit of a run. Hear the birds chirping. It's starting to get a little bit brighter. Hopefully, I'll need my sunglasses before this is over, but I don't need them right now. But onward and upward, right? Let's get going. <coughs> Starting this off with a walk. And welcome to the Run Talk Run podcast. We've most definitely been on a hiatus. So let's just start off by explaining the hiatus. Very easy. 2020. It's really all I need to say. Just say that the year. 2020. We are coming to the close of our only our third month of this year. And I I shudder to say what the heck else could happen this year? Anthony and I have had competing schedules that have prevented both of us from getting together in the same place at the same time. Both had our share of illness. We've never been ill at the same time, so, you know, one would be well, the other one would be ill. And then the other one would get over the illness, and the other one would get ill. So... We've had crap weather, and then, of course, the, well, what will remain unnamed, virus. So, <clears throat> thought about getting together. Oh, yeah, and also my dog died. Let's throw in the fact that my dog died. So, we're going to get together. last weekend but since we have to social distance this recording isn't going to work real well if uh, we're six or more feet apart I'm going to have to kind of do a lot of shouting to be heard so not the greatest of recording um times right now so in lieu of just letting this go fallow to all of this blows over which it will be patient people this too shall pass I decided to violate my my rule of not doing solo shows Because if you're in the boat that I'm in, you could sorely use someone else to listen to right now. With all the extra time that you have on your hands. It is very much like the 1981 song from Styx. Too much time on my hands. 
All right, let's get going here. All right. So, it's gonna be an easy, long, slow distance today. I did a run on my treadmill yesterday. Well, my, my hometown here was getting anywhere from an inch to just shy of two inches of rain. And uh, I had one heck of a day. So I hopped on the treadmill, started going. And of course I have my Phoenix 5, which I set to treadmill. So it knew not to go looking for a uh, uh, GPS signal because it wouldn't be very useful. I'm not going anywhere on the treadmill. So. <clears throat> and uh, I think actually, hang on a second here. Pause this. Yep. And I'm going to pause this for a second. Hang on. Got a little bit of um, more slack to get out of my my belt, so let's get going again. <clears throat> I can feel my bottle kind of precariously shaking behind my back, so let me take a second. We'll just snug that down a bit. Anyway, so on the treadmill yesterday, and I start off, and uh, I'm not going for very long, and I'm like, wow, I must be really out of shape, because I'm starting to feel a little bit tired already. I've only been going for about maybe a minute or two. I look down at my watch, which says I am going at about a 7.50 per mile pace, which is fast for me. It's fast for most people, it's definitely fast for me. I'm like, okay, I don't know what you had in your Wheaties today, buddy, but let's just kind of back that down. So I knock the, uh, <coughs> the speed on the uh, movable sidewalk down a bit and that seemed to do the trick but when I was done it told me that I did a, a 10k in just over 50 minutes like 50 30 something right faster than 51 minutes and I maintained an 810 pace. So, as I threw up on social media, if that is accurate, that's the fastest 10K I've ever done in my life. 
previous PR was 53 minutes. So, so 50.38 or something like that would definitely be a PR. I don't know how much I trust the whole treadmill thing. Um, did feel quickish, if that's even a word. Um, I just don't know if it felt that quick. One of the problems I've noted when you're using a, a Garmin, of course the treadmill already says, you know, based on how fast the, um, the belt is going, this is how fast you're going. But of course you can fake that out a bit, right? If you take longer steps, right? You're really gonna be going at a different pace. Or if you take very short steps, you'll change your pace, all right? And as long as it's not really going super fast, you can kind of do a little of that on the treadmill, you know? Lengthen your stride a bit, shorten your stride a bit. Uh, if only just to kind of change your stride so it's not the same thing over and over. Um, and of course that affects your cadence. Cadence does actually affect your actual pace. So, Garmin's got a, a feature, so it'll actually sync your Garmin to your treadmill that you're on. So I did that a while ago. I, uh, I synced it to a 10 minute per mile pace. Because I think, well, when I first tried doing it, you know, of course the... <coughs> The treadmill is telling me I'm doing 10 minutes per mile. And my garments tell me I'm doing like 1230. And then of course, I'd go down to a fast walk. And of course, my treadmill's telling me I'm going, you know, 20 minutes per mile at a fast walk. And Garmin is now telling me that I'm doing, oh, I think it was like 16 minutes per mile. So, it's not spot on, but I figure, all right, well, somewhere in the middle for what I'm likely to do on the treadmill should be about 10, so. I synced it up, um, and it does seem to be fairly accurate. I say within 30 seconds to 45 seconds over the course of four miles. So, if I'm doing a uh, 10 minute per mile pace on the treadmill, so, if I'm not mistaken, Garmin seems to think I'm 
going slightly faster than that. So, like I said, if that's accurate, holy crap, that was fast. Um, I think, I think likely it was probably closer to 9.15 for a pace. Like I said, it did feel quick-ish. But I don't know that I think it felt 8.10 per mile fast. We shall see. So, if you haven't guessed, I'm doing a 60-20 ratio right now. I knocked this back down a bit. I am trying to do a long, slow distance today. So, next week, I have uh, my virtual half marathon. So the goal today is nine miles. I won't record for nine miles, but uh, that's the uh, that's the running goal. So there we are. And of course we're on the ridge now, so I'm done with the uh, the bigger hills for a while. This is what I refer to as the flat. Although it's definitely not. But for where I live, it's flat. So, there you go. Anyway, another reason I decided to record El Solo uh, is uh, I'm a bit bored after all this staying at home. Now, there are definitely worse things that can happen to you, right? <clears throat> but facts are facts. This has been going on for over a week for me. So, I am starting to get a little bored at seeing the same four walls every day. So, another reason to get out of here also and try and do a longer run than today. So, anyway, speaking of runs, So I got a, uh, an email from the folks for um, the Swamp Stomp, and apparently they're still waiting for a lot of people to decide what they want to do, whether they want to do a virtual this coming up week and submit it, or if they want to pay an extra 15 bucks and postpone this until next year. So 
I chose the virtual because I want to get my shirt this year. I want to wait till next year. Because I only had two runs scheduled anyway. This and Swamp Rabbit in October. So I really don't want this to be the year that I do one run. Alright, so uh, one run that has, you know, catered drinks and so forth and a medal waiting at the end anyway. Kind of felt like I was cutting it back by only doing two. So still a possibility I may add a third one, but it's still way, way too early to know what my uh, old hometown race known as the Swamp Rat Run, which is either a 5 or a 10K, your choice, is going to do in June. So, <clears throat> I think everybody who's got a race before the 4th of July is kind of sitting and waiting to see what they're actually going to be able to do. So, I put a post up on uh, one of the group pages that I co-host, co-moderate, whatever it is. And it was a, uh, it was a, uh, a poll. See what people thought is going to happen in the fall. Um, you know, we're going to see that people are going to be so ecstatic to be able to congregate again. And that's what I do think is going to happen. <clears throat> we will be congregating again in the fall. And they're just going to overflow all these races. <clears throat> just going to be so happy to have one to do rather than making it a virtual. Or, now people will pretty much just kind of show up in the same numbers as before. Or three, actually there'll be no difference. You know, in fact there might even be fewer people showing up because the race they wanted to do was in the spring. It got canned until next year. I don't do races in the fall, so I'm not going to start now. Um, so, overwhelming majority of people are thinking right now fall races are going to be mobbed. So, probably not a lot of PRs in the fall if that's the case. Be busy being shoulder to shoulder with other folks who are happy to get out. Certainly what I think will happen. I think races that do have limits, because not every race does. I'm sure your local 5K doesn't normally put a limit, since they don't normally have to worry about it. You know, they get 150 to 200 people, think it's a good day, a good turnout, and just keep going. You know. <clears throat> I do think there'll be races that will have to impose a limit. You know, after they quickly get 500 people 
where they used to get 150. I'm like, okay, we're not prepared to have 2,000 people show up for this, so we're going to tap the brakes on this after the first 500, first 750, first 1,000. We're a small community race, you know. We can only do so much. Um, then again, considering a lot of these races, if not all of them, <coughs> or at least most of them, go to support some sort of a function or a group or a charity. And what would be better than having 2,000 people show up for your charity run? where you normally get 200. <clears throat> so, who knows? My, my guess though is it's gonna be mobbed, but my buddy Chris, Russell, who actually has done his share of race directing. So he speaks from a bit of authority on this. I think actually what's going to happen there's going to be a lot of races competing for people because you have all these people who well like Swamp Stop you know they outright cancelled but the one I was going to do in lieu of that Gettysburg didn't they just pushed it to October so now there's an extra race in October that's vying for people to run that wasn't supposed to be there so, <clears throat> Chris may be accurate in that there may be, in fact, fewer people at the fall races per race, even though the number of people overall has gone up significantly. But where before, you know, and I'll just pick one, you know, you know, you know, you might have, you know, your usual, I want to say it's like 1,500 to 3,000. Don't know the limit, but there is one for Bird in Hand, which is the big one in September around here. Who knows? They may have trouble getting that number. If there are other spring races that are uh, competing with them that weren't would normally be there, so and of course you have all the the uh, all the spring majors for the marathon that all push their races to the fall. Boston will be in the fall, I think. If I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, Paris is in the fall. London is now in the fall, so I mean these are all races that should have happened by the end of May and won't. They'll not happen in the fall, so you know if you were gonna go to some smaller race in October, but you were lucky enough to get into Boston or Paris or London. Well, you know, are you going to do the, uh, are you going to do the St. Swithin's 5 and 10K, you know, by your local school, 
you're going to hop on a plane and go to London. Right? You're going to hop on a plane and go to London. So. So, yeah, there's... There is that uh, complexity to it. So there you go. All right. I'm going to take a little walk. Short walk break so we're going to have some more hydration here. Because I know I'm going to beep pretty soon here. And there it is. All right. And we'll take an extra walk break here. Doing good. 1.83 on the mileage and now I am on my three mile loop on the Ridge Road. It's got a different name, but you don't live here, it won't make any difference to you. Ridge Road is good enough. It's the top of this hill. So in either direction I can look down as if I were on a ridge. Hence the Ridge Road. So, yep. So, I basically go out to the end of this road, hang a left, down to a stop sign, turn around, come back, back down this road, hang another left, down to the Bluebird box, turn around, and that's three miles. All right, so there's my walk, which is my 20 second walk. And then once it beeps again, we'll be back to, back to our, our trot. So. But yeah, so that's three miles each time I do it. And since I'm looking at somewhere around nine today, I will do, uh, <coughs> I'll do at least three loops of that. Well, I'll do at least two loops of that. That'll get me six miles. <clears throat> and then I have another seven. Well, I have another mile and so forth, mile and a quarter that I already did prior to starting these loops. So I'll be around seven and a half after my second loop. And I only have a mile and a half to go, so I'll probably run to the main road and come on back. Run down the hill. On my road to where the forest starts again. Because most of this is farmer's field. It was probably previously forested. Of course, cleared to make farmland oh probably a hundred to 150 years ago <clears throat> so. My neighbor out here again neighbor in the country has a different meaning than it does in the burbs or the city. Hey, good, how are you? Good. Come on, buddy, get back here. Just calling back his 
Labrador. I'm just gonna come and say hello to me. Hey pup, how we doing? Yeah, yeah, you're going home. It's a happy dog. So, speaking of happy dogs, I guess we'll talk more about my dog Hunter. So, a week ago, this past Wednesday, I got home from work and my dog was where he normally is on the couch taking a nap it was an older dog is a senior dog he's 11 years old which for a giant breed which is what a bloodhound is it's in the giant breed um, 11 is old you know 10 to 15 is the normal lifespan because of course you get to the giant breeds certainly the, the bigger the dog gets it seems the more health issues they seem to end up with particularly things like bad backs just a lot of a lot of bulk to carry around on their back where you don't normally see the smaller dogs having this trouble and what I'd say somewhere around 2000 and 17, 18, somewhere in there. A while ago, but not a long while ago. Um, we had noticed a spot internally, which I now know was uh, either on or above his spleen. We thought was uh, probably some sort of cancerous growth. So we were just monitoring it because he wasn't having any symptoms from it. Um, and around that time, he was starting to get lots of skin tumors. So like these little fat cells kind of growing on his skin, um, known as a sebaceous cyst. So fills up with fluid, makes this big ugly looking bump. I actually had one on my back. And uh, you know, it's not, not fatal. It's not even a health risk unless it gets infected, which uh, is what happened to mine. Mine ended up getting infected. Um, although I had it for probably 17 years before that happened, so I had a long time. Um, and then at that point, yeah, you do have to lance it and drain it and go on the antibiotics and all that stuff. Well, he was starting to get a bunch of these things on his skin. He was starting to get some skin tags growing. So he definitely had some sort of process going on, but we were managing it. And he was otherwise healthy. His labs were otherwise good. So no need to panic. Well... I got home that Wednesday, a little over a week ago, and once he got up and came over to greet me, I noticed that he was panting, and more so than usual. So I'm like, what's going on with you, buddy? Are you stressed? 
Are you anxious? Are you scared? What's going on? And uh, there was just a lot of panting. And panting is usually usually a sign um, if they're not hot of pain or the beginnings of the dying process. That's what it means for a dog. So try to say, okay, well, let's see if it's pain. I know you have a bad back. We have some pain meds for you. So you haven't needed them in a day or two. So, and it's just an NSAID. It's basically a, uh, a doggy Tylenol. So got one of those out, slathered in peanut butter, which is how he always took it. And he loves peanut butter. He refuses nothing that has peanut butter on it. Well, I put it in front of his nose, and he kind of gave me that look like, not this time, buddy. I can't do it. All right. Well, now I got a dog that is refusing food and panting. So, it was definitely time to go to the vet. That's enough. So, I called my wife, told her what's happening. Of course, with all this CV-19 nonsense, you can't actually get into the vet. You have to call the vet, in this case the emergency vet, because of course our actual vet, uh, they had limited office hours, since they're not seeing normal clients anymore. Um, it's emergencies only. Of course your emergency has to happen between 9 and 1, so if your, your animal is nice enough to comply with those hours, great. But ours wasn't, so you have to go to the emergency clinic it's 24 hours and it's also $200 walking in the door even if your dog is particular is completely healthy when you cross the door the door frame and uh, cross the threshold $200 pay me so, so brought him over there called him ahead said we're coming called when we got there because of course it, they have to come to you and they're all masked up and got their gloves. Tell them what's going on. Hand them the leash and they, they walk your dog into the building and you have to stay outside. Yeah, not great. You kind of want to be with your dog when your dog's having a bad time. So, of course my wife had shown up at this point. So we're sitting in, sitting in my car, kind of talking over what the eventualities may be, and if, if they are, what we're gonna do. And of course they uh, called us back and said, all right, well, your dog definitely has <coughs> some infiltrate in his lungs. I think most likely from probably getting nauseated and uh, aspirating some of his uh, his vomitus. So because that was another symptom he all of a sudden developed. He had this nasty sounds like a cough, but it's actually a dog trying to upchuck. So 
I, uh, and she's like, yeah, I would normally think it was just aspirate from being nauseated. We can give him some anti-nausea medication and some antibiotics and have be the end of it, but it's not, not the traditional view we see for that. Um, you normally see it in one lung, not both, and this is in both. Hence the, uh, the, uh, the panting. So he was, in fact, having a hard time breathing. <coughs> so, and then, of course, she said, and he's got this fairly de decent size spot on his, uh, on his spleen, which was a small spot, so we now know that sucker has grown over time, so that's not better, so she was wanting to hospitalize him and stick an IV in him and give him all kinds of medication, and then the following day, um, Look at doing an ultrasound and then see where we go from there. So, of course, again, this is a senior dog at the end of his normal lifespan. So, he said, All right, well, I'm certainly willing to do this, provided it doesn't break the bank. Uh, what's this going to cost? And uh, the figure came back 1700 bucks. Provided nothing else breaks on him in the next 12 hours. That was 1700 bucks to get him through just the next 12 hours. This could easily go up from there. Well, as sad as it is, with all the uncertainty going on these days, the fact that he's already not comfortable, that there's no guarantee he even makes it the next 12 hours because that was also a possibility. And the fact that we're looking at just shy of two grand for 12 hours, I have to make that decision as hard as it was that uh, we're going to have to say goodbye to our friend here and not let him suffer anymore for a $1,700 maybe in 12 hours. So... So they do have a nice little room for this. They brought him in and uh, he uh, went across the Rainbow Bridge with us uh, stroking his head. And uh, yep, um, that's all I'm gonna say about it. It was definitely a bit more emotional than that. But, That's as far as I'm going to talk about it. So. <clears throat> Needless to say, this whole being cooped up in your house, when now, of course, my wife still has to go to work. She's a pharmacy technician. You know, she can't do her work from home, so she's she's still going to work. But <clears throat> I can and am teaching from home, so I am now in the house completely alone. I normally, you know. I turn and I have my buddy there. He's not there. So, 
it's uh you do notice you do notice the uh, the absence of people and pets when they're gone i have a i have a good friend of mine in the uk who's going through this in uh, an even bigger way right now uh and uh, I can only imagine. I mean, it's this bad for a dog. I can only imagine what it's like for a person. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, for the first week anyway, my wife and I both having this. Me more than her. But, you know, you know, I'll hear a noise, and uh, I'll think for a minute it's still him. You know, because it would sound like, oh, that sounds like Hunter getting off the bed. And you look to see if he's coming. And then, of course, you realize, you know, moron, he's not coming. Or the really freaky one was last weekend. My wife is down in the guest room because we're both end stage flu. So we're even social distancing in our house. So we're sleeping in different bedrooms just to make sure we don't keep passing the same flu bug back and forth. <coughs> so, but of course, she still has all the congestion at this time. So she's snoring. She's snoring up a storm. Well, of course, she's got the door open and she's in the bedroom at the end of the hallway. So whatever you do in this bedroom, and it's the guest room, so in case you come to my house, Heads up, whatever you do in that room, um, you might as well say into a microphone right down that hallway. It's very reflective with the door open. And it will very much sound like somebody's doing whatever, conversation, moving around, sometimes like right behind you when you're sitting in the kitchen because of the reflectivity of that hallway and where that room is. So there she is. She's she's cutting timber in the guest room. I'm sitting at the dining room table doing something on our laptop and I'm hearing this snoring that I swear to you sounds is coming from right behind my head. And right behind my head is our couch where Hunter used to always sleep and snore. And I swear to you for about five seconds it did. It sounded like my dog was back in the house, snoring on the couch behind me. It was, uh, it was odd, to say the least. Of course, I turned around. Of course, there's no dog. I know that. You know that. Everybody knows that. <clears throat> and then I realized it was my wife, all the way down to the other end of the hallway. So, so yeah. Fun. Uh, anyway, so there it is. So I'm sure when all of this stay-at-home stuff is done, we'll probably go and look for another dog to have in the house. So I think my wife very quickly thought about the possibility of letting our 
or barn cats, or actually garage cats, come in the house. Um, our one cat, Franklin, used to be in the house when he was a kitten. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he went outside um, after my cat, Harley, uh, passed away. Um, and it was just he and our cat, Squirrel. And our cat, Squirrel, had a perchant, for whatever reason, to like to sneak into our bedroom, go into our ensuite, and pee on the shower mat, rather than using the litter box. And he was a rather fussy cat anyway, so. I mean, if you didn't clean the litter box literally like twice a day, you know, you might get a day where he's decided, okay, I'll use this more than once, but otherwise, nope. He'd be like, nope, this is dirty. I need to find somewhere else to go. There was always that rug. So, so Franklin was kind of a pseudo barn cat already. Kind of a little bit indoor, a little bit outdoor, but at that point, I'm like, all right, you know what? If you're gonna pee in my house, you're both outdoor cats now. I'll give you a place in the garage. If you need to go outside and pee, you can go outside and pee. But we're not having it in the house anymore. So. <clears throat> and Franklin's been fine with that. He's, again, he's been fine with that. And then we picked up <clears throat> a stray that came into our barn. So it's never been inside, but I guarantee you if we opened the door, both he and she would come inside. I'm sure they would both want to leave during the course of the day. They would both want to stay inside all day. Yeah, maybe Franklin would, but our other cat, Elvis, sometimes referred to as Elvira. Uh, she's actually a girl, hence the pronoun she. She got named because I misunderstood what my wife was saying. And she was saying something that ended with the word us. And I misheard it to be Elvis. And I thought, that's a crazy name to give the cat, but okay. Elvis it is. And She's been Elvis ever since. <clears throat> but no, I think we'll we'll keep the status quo with the cats. And I think we'll just wait for calmer times and then we'll go rescue another pooch. to have in the house with us. So, that's what we've done with all of our dogs. They've all been shelter rescues. Haven't gone out and spent, you know, 500 plus dollars on a purebred. There are plenty of animals that need, that need a loving place to live. And 
you're sitting in your shelter. So, whether that be the SPCA or the Humane League or the Humane Association, there's so many different names for these places. Um, you know, and we try to go to the, uh, we try to go to the, uh, the shelters that um, we'll put we'll put an animal to sleep if they stay too long. Like we have like the Humane Association near us, and they're a no-kill shelter, so they'll keep the animal as long as they have to. Um, you know, we like to throw them some money from our charity funds just so that they're able to continue to feed their animals and stuff. But, you know, no one's in a death sentence in, that, in, those, uh, in those shelters, but, you know, like the SPCA, you know, you only have so long at the SPCA, and then we can't continue to warehouse you, so I end up getting euthanized. So I like to go there first, see if we can't find something that does actually have the clock ticking on it. problem around here, though, is uh, a lot of our shelters here, awful lot of pities in the shelters, being a pit bull or a pit bull mix. Now, again, I'm not getting into the whole fight about whether pit bulls are good dogs or bad dogs. Dogs are dogs. They are whatever you train them to be. So if you're a jackass, you'll have a jackass for a dog. <clears throat> if you're mean, you'll have a mean dog. If you give them good discipline without being mean and give them lots and lots of love, you'll have a good dog. Again, there's always exceptions, but they're few and far between. And that goes for the pit bulls. They get a bad rap, but I know our homeowner's insurance has, uh, has said pit bulls are verboten at our house, unless we want to get a different homeowner's policy. That's because, again, there are too many jackasses out there that want to make a mean pit bull. And so they, uh, they get a bad rap because there are pit bulls out there that are particularly vicious and have done lots of damage. So they're on the radar with the insurance companies. So, <coughs> so yep. And since we live on a farm, we need to have farm insurance. We had regular homeowners insurance, but Regular homeowner's insurance won't cover all the things you need covered if you live on a farm and you do things like grow vegetables and sell them from your farm. Or at one point we were actually thinking about milking our goats and selling the milk. Your regular homeowner's policy won't cover that stuff. So we needed to actually have small farm insurance and on that small farm insurance no pities so no pity for the pities to be quite honest as well so 
unfortunately, that takes care of probably two-thirds of all the dogs right now we saw in the shelters. Uh, we, did, we did already look online just to see what's out there. Um, and then, of course, my wife and I work a long way away from home. So, can't be a small dog. Small dogs have small bladders. I need to go outside every two to four hours, which you can't do when you have to be away from home for eight. So, we're kind of stuck with a large to a giant breed that can tolerate taking a nap for the day and not need to be scratching at the door every two to four hours because there won't be anybody here to do it. <clears throat> so, know, yeah, you can you can put them outside, but again, I don't like doing that to a dog during our summer when it's 95 degrees with 90% uh, humidity. That's kind of a little bit too hot. And I don't like doing it to a dog in our winters, when it could easily be 13 degrees with a 20 mile an hour breeze, and it feels like minus one. So, <clears throat> so yeah, if we lived someplace that was a little less swingy when it comes to weather, we could kind of make a year round accommodation for the animal. Um, I had a buddy of mine who used to just throw them in the garage and then just deal with whatever was left over. But <clears throat> there's too much to get involved in in our garage since it's partially storage as well, too. So, and then that means you're, you're going to be crating that animal for a long time and personal issues about creating an animal for all night long as well too. I like having the crate in case they want to go in there and sleep or in case we have people come to the house and maybe they're a little skittish or they have small kids and you just don't know what the small kid's going to do with the with the dog so we can crate the dog for that period just to keep everybody safe. But now both Susie and I kind of like to let our dog have free reign in the house. So if they want to come into the bedroom and sleep on their mat, in the master bedroom with us, because they want to be with us, that's fine. If they want to sleep in their crate, that's fine. And then if they want to get up and just, you know, just stretch their legs while they're home all day, kind of want to be able to let the dog do that other than just constantly circle in their cage. Actually, a larger dog. So, never had problems. The two dogs we've had, but yeah, it does. That does limit what kind of dog you can have. Can't get a, a Chihuahua. Their poor bladder wouldn't make it that long, and they're too nervous to be left alone for more than four hours anyway.
So we're at 4.37 on the miles right now. We've got our first loop done. We'll do another one. That'll bring us to probably 7.3, 7.4. another mile and a half-ish to get my nine for today. So good stuff. Good stuff. So what else do I want to talk about before I wrap this up? Let's see. <clears throat> well, still running in the zero shoes. Still like the zero shoes. Still haven't blown through the soles of the zero shoes. So, so far the 5,000 mile warranty is holding up. More to come. I did go and buy, <coughs> pardon me, I did go and buy a pair of their ultra dress kind of shoes. Um, I say kind of because it's buffalo, buffalo leather. How dressy can you be in buffalo leather? Right? Um, so it's it's kind of like bohemian dressy. That's <coughs> really what these shoes are like. Right? But I got a black pair, so they definitely look dressier than my Prios that I'm wearing right now, which are, of course are just sneakers. Running shoes. For those offended by the term sneaker. They are quiet though, so you definitely sneak up on people on these. And uh, yeah, I actually just responded back to uh, to the company about the Ultras, or not Alstons, excuse me, Alstons. That, I mean, so far, I'm just kind of on their shoes. The uh, Alston, um, they've got a, a lace on it, and I'm assuming is some sort of a faux leather thing, which feels kind of oily, which is why I'm thinking it's a leather, like they oiled the leather a bit to kind of loosen it up a bit. Um, and it snapped. First time I went to tie my shoes, the one side snapped. Not okay. Um, I didn't like the laces anyway. I would have changed them, but again, still, first time. Not okay. Um, so I did swap them out with some other laces because I had to. And I started wearing them and they do feel like these. I mean it's the same um, zero drop you know four millimeter sole underneath your foot. Your foot can bend and flex and do all the stuff it normally would do if you were barefoot but you're not. But the buffalo leather is very stiff. So that will take some time to break in. And uh, I also found out I can't wear my usual thin dress socks because the edges of the buffalo leather, are, again, are stiff and they don't move and they rub and they rub a lot. So I was ending up with blisters. So, I'm being told that after a while, that will 
loosen up and then uh, then they become very very soft and slipper like but that's not today so I'm still kind of on the fence about these but once we start seeing some more warmer weather I do plan on trading in my Tevas which is my sandal for a pair of Z-Trail, which is their Hirachi sandal. So that when I go sockless in the nicer weather, it will be all Hirachi sandaled. I really do like the company. I think it's a good company. I like what they do. I like what they're trying to do. I like the idea that they tried to come out with, with a dress shoe, even though, like I said, meh. Come see, come see, right? I see, I see. You know? So, so-so, for those of you who don't speak French or Spanish. Um, of course, if you're like my friend Carlos, who speaks both, well, eh, never you. Pour vous. There you are. All right. I think we're going to do another extra long walk break here again since we're trying to do this slowly. Do not want to do this fast. This is LSD. So we need to do the slow part of the long, slow distance. mentioned earlier I'm doing 60-20 for my ratio. I am back to doing a ratio, um, <clears throat> which is still a 3 to 1 ratio. It's what I'm staying with. I was doing 45-15, but like I said, right, getting over right over the tail end of the, the flu and this nagging cough that I had, I was finding 45-15. The 45 felt like it wasn't enough running, but the 15 felt like it was way too little walking. So I said, okay, let's increase both. See what that does. I don't think 90-30 would have done me any favors, which was also would have been three to one. So I said, well, 60-20 is in the middle. Let's try that. And that seems to work. Okay, I guess I was early. That's fine. So. There you go. So there's that. Um, and then the other thing I'm looking at at some point, maybe for my birthday, is probably swap out my Lone Peak trail shoes and get the uh, the trail shoe that Zero Shoes makes. They have one that looks very cool. So. But we're not up to trail running yet. Let me give myself a chance to kind of come back. 
from uh, basically, honestly, I mean like a month and a half to just shy of two months of being sick. That's what this year has been. I had a, I had a cold at the start of the year um, and then hung around for a while. I just got over it. And I had about two weeks, maybe, maybe two and a half. Maybe I'm forgetting some of it. And then all of a sudden, wham! I end up with what I later learned was the flu. So, I said I've spent the better part of 2020 either ill or recovering from an illness. So, I would like to be able to, you know, have at least a good month behind me, if not two. And then, uh, of course, I need to get back to the gym. Can't do that right now. And uh, get back to my Sunday swimming, which I noticed greatly, greatly improved my lung function, even though I'm not a particularly strong swimmer. But I was getting really good for a while, right around November, and then it all just, it all just fell apart for a number of reasons, so. There it is. <clears throat> so I'd like to be able to get back to all that. And, and, uh, <clears throat> like I said, if I'm around my birthday then, I think it'll be a good time to go and start doing some trail runs because that'll also put me in the forest during the uh, the warmer months around here, so I won't have the direct sun on top of me. It'll be cooler in the forest. We have some pretty, pretty thick forests around here. I have my local park, Rocky Ridge, which is nice. Um, but then if I go to, oh, if I go to, like, um, around where? around Reading. Um, we have a group around here called Pretzel City that does a lot of um, a lot of these uh, trail runs. And they're technical trail runs. And they're all in the forests that uh, surround the city of Reading. Usually at a place called the Liederkranz. Nice German name. Nice German beer there when you're done. Because <coughs> of course... That's the big ethnic group nationality that came here from Europe, would be the Germans. Because apparently South Central PA looks a lot like Bavaria and parts of Germany. So they felt at home when they were here. The Scots too, by the way. There's a fair number of Scots here. So <clears throat> There you go. What else? What else? Well, that's the plan, you know, just keep on keeping on. One foot in front of the other. That's all you can do. I mean, 
you can hiss and moan, but it isn't changing anything. Whatever's happening is happening. So, you know, keep calm and carry on as the, as the British would say. Yes, right. Cheerio, pip pip, and all that. So, I don't know how many Brits actually say pip pip anymore. Probably was Dick Van Dyke English as opposed to proper English. So. Then old Dick Van Dyke liked to, uh, he liked to stray into Australian with his English accent anyway. So. But a topic for another day. As I run down the fog lined ridge road. I figure I've probably talked your ear off enough. Thanks for uh, for being there. I'm probably about a half a mile away from my turnaround, which would put me right at around mile six. And then I have to turn around and come back. Sounds about right. That would put me at right around seven seven and a half when I get back or just before that and the tail end of this run and I think I'm going to do some baking the rest of this day we have all kinds of box meals and uh, cupcakes and cakes and um, strudel and all that stuff I think I'll make something for a snack from when my wife gets home. So she didn't see me just sitting in front of the chair and in front of our TV in the chair and just binging on Netflix and popcorn. Not that there's anything wrong with that. So, all right, folks. Thanks again. That's the end of this. And until we talk again, as my good buddy Anthony would always say, Toodles! Show notes for Run Talk Run are available at runtalkrun.blogspot.com. This show is available at iTunes and Google Play. Please be sure to visit both those sites and rate us highly. That helps other people find this show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.